You're listening to the Sports Therapy Association podcast, putting evidence back into soft tissue therapy. And we're live. Hey, Nicole. How are you doing? Welcome to episode 178 of the Sports Therapy Association podcast. My name is Matt Phillips, creator of OneChatLive.com, and as always, this podcast is being recorded live on a Tuesday at 8 o'clock on the Sports Therapy Association YouTube channel and also on the Facebook page, which means we already have people flocking through the doors to join us for the live recording. For example, Glenn Murphy was first to the door, says good evening and Merry Christmas to you all. That will be a saving on stamps, eh? Oh, very clever. Yeah, I see what you did there. Very good. Um, the, the great thing is, if you do want to join us live and listen to the podcast, then um, it means you can ask questions to our guests. In this case, it's going to be more of a chat and a discourse because obviously it's that winter season time of year. If you're listening to the podcast and you can't see the ridiculous hat I've got on my head and the beautiful trimmings of bells and all sorts of things around the screen, but um, you may want to go to the YouTube because you do get the recording there as well and to see the visual delight and the full effect of everything. Nikki Mansfield here as well, saying hello, hello, everybody. One more day of clinic to go, then there's just all the unpaid admin left to do, be self-employed humble. <laughs> Thank you, Nikki, for bringing us down already. Thanks. Um, you're going to fit in well with Gary tonight, for obvious reasons, when I bring him up. So anyway, um, yes, this is the Christmas edition. It's the last episode of the year, another year gone by. We have gone from episode 131 in January to episode 177 last week. So in other words, that's 47 hours of education from specialists and educators within the medical and healthcare industry. We're always saying, I said it a therapy expert, if you're looking for CBD, start off with the 47 hours uh, this year and then maybe go back to the 50 hours the year before and then go back to the year before that because we've been running for years now, years and years and years. Um, and we've had some fantastic guests. And that's what the idea is um, today in this episode. We're going to be looking back at some of those episodes. Um, we're also going to be looking at how 2023 has been for the Sports Therapy Association and its mission to provide open, honest and ethical guidance to sports therapists, soft tissue therapists, sports injury professionals. And we'll also look at what 2024 will bring. As always, if you've got questions, then feel free. If you do ask a question, I can bring it up on the screen. For example, Alex Moore said, good evening all. An early finish tonight means I can finally join you live. Typical. The one day I don't invite you to come, Alex. And you. Now you're free, funnily enough. Right, that's it. January 2024, you're coming, Alex. Um, so, yeah, Nikki Mansfield has come back and also said... Your baubles and trimmings look fabulous, Matt. Thank you very much, Nick. It's very kind of you to say. Um, so there we go. Right. With me tonight, talking about or looking at the year and, and our, our year of episodes, is going to be Gary Benson, founder of the STA. Um, and like I said, if you've got any comments, you feel free, uh, any questions, and, and be part of this, because that's what it's all about, isn't it? So without further ado, I think it's time to bring up the person who seems to enjoy Christmas more than anybody, more than my eight-year-old and six-year-old, um, absolutely, he is like a child himself when it comes to this festive time of year. So I'm going to bring up the founder of the Sports Therapy Association, Gary Benson. You're listening to the Sports Therapy Association podcast, putting evidence back into soft tissue therapy. Hey, Gary, how are you doing? Evening, Matt. There are no <laughs> words, are there? No words. <laughs> if you listen to podcasts, then I should probably just describe um, Gary's attire uh, tonight. Um, it's it's amazing effect because it's a black Santa's hat. So I didn't even know they met. They made, and across the front on the white band is Bar Humbug. So there we go. Um, we like I had it commissioned especially, Matt. <laughs> <laughs> hey, thanks for joining me, Gary. Great to see you at this time of year. Are things winding down now? We joke about you being super busy, but is there a little bit of a tail off now we're getting towards Christmas and the New Year? Um, no, unfortunately not. I, um, I do get I do get some time off, but at this time of year, I mean, Jake's had a couple of, of meetings today with some of our partners planning for next year ahead already. Um, and we're going through the website. I had a meeting with the web uh, host today to discuss plans we've got for the website. We're going to try and split it into a, a member's website and a public facing website simply because there's so much information and there's so many changes happening that I just wanted to create a, a more unique experience for the members and then you know something specific for, for members of the public who, who are looking for information. 
Amazing. Yeah, it's not used enough, is it, the website? And just to remind people as well, if you're looking for a way to listen to this podcast, which you won't be if you're listening to the podcast, so it's really not the best place to say it, but on the sta.co.uk, if you go to the podcast link there, you've got links to Spotify, you've got links to Apple Podcasts, you've got links to YouTube, you've got links to Pocket Cast. There's plenty of ways to listen to us, but you're already listening to us, so that was a ridiculous waste of 30 seconds of our lives. But anyway, so I kind of wish we recorded the last 20 minutes of conversation we've had Gary but we'll get back to that hopefully we'll repeat quite a lot of it because it's really interesting um, and it fits in nicely with how I wanted to start um, tonight's look at professionals I'm going it's I just want to say it's impossible for me to mention all of our guests um, 47 or so we've had this year so we'll be running through it a little bit and I, and it's been quite difficult looking through who we're going to focus on because everybody who comes on we're totally um, grateful and um, there's no payment or anything in this um it's totally non-profit making organization or association and it's uh yeah so we thank the guests with all of our hearts for coming and giving up their time for free because really the only motivation is getting the good word out there and helping with education and it was interesting when i was looking back at the year we um ended or yeah we ended last year i'm gonna bring some thumb up stuff up onto the screen just to show you here we actually ended last year with a focus on education um, and we had in the studio, first of all, we did in part one movement therapy education with Mike Rice and MTE students. Um, anybody who doesn't know Mike Rice um, is one of the handful of people I can actually recommend you get involved with if you are looking to do any level of sports massage, sports therapy, um, to, to um, make sure you're getting an evidence-informed approach. And also the week after that, we had Anna Maria Mazzieri, also you know, a very good friend of the STA, and she is director of the ST School, who likewise are one of the kind of more contemporary, forward-thinking, evidence-informed um, educators who are looking people through level three, level four, level five, um, so even back then, a year ago, we were looking at education and some of the faults, some of the things we should be doing better. Um, and, and pretty much, again, we almost ended this year with another talk about education, which was in episode 168, the changing face of qualifications, who can we trust, which kind of stirred quite a few people up. People didn't realise how a lot of these levels appeared and, and where they come from and also just a lot of the money making kind of reasons for creating the levels and things it's quite a shock to some people and we hope you didn't worry you too much but i hope we were positive as well but that's definitely a worth an episode listening to 168 but um what i'm interested in hearing from you gary because you're super your background is very much involved in education and assessment and monitoring have things changed since a year ago are we in a better place or have things just suddenly got more complicated I definitely think there are more smoke and mirrors uh, out there at the moment. And one of the focuses this year has been trying to control the um, information that's coming out about level three courses. Um, and there's such a, a variety and variability um, in delivery, in, in assessment, in, um, in who awards qualifications etc but you know since covid there's definitely been an increase in the number of massage for sport or massage for performance awards uh, I, I won't use qualifications because they are not qualifications they are awards and you know i'm speaking to people on a sort of daily basis who are saying you know i've seen a course it cost me 1495 pounds but i can do it in two days and i've seen another course which is 1495 pounds and i can do it in 10 days and what they're looking at is the the travel the accommodation for the longer course and thinking that's going to work out far more expensive than if i do the majority of it home study and just pop in for an assessment or a day's massage and an assessment and what I'm trying to say to these people is, and, and what we alluded to in our conversation earlier, Matt, is, you know, I see a fork in the road here at this point and, and I'm trying to get it right in my own head before I make an announcement in the new year about how we're going to support level three soft tissue therapists, sports massage therapists. Because if a fitness professional, for example, wants to add another skill to their portfolio, then it might be entirely appropriate that they go and do, uh, a, you know, a course with a fitness provider um, and, and pay the £1,495 if they want to and, and do the two-day course if they want to. You know, I can't police that. I can't stop that. Um, 
and it might be highly appropriate for them just to do a bit of massage at the end of one of their sessions or in place of one of their sessions they might sell a package and you know the fifth and the tenth pt session is a is a is a massage and 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 that's great for them as long as they haven't got any remedial intent and that's my um that's my concern is that there is already an overstepping of, of boundaries and, and working outside scope of practice so the, the awards are generally called massage for sport or massage for performance and unfortunately we won't be able to represent that type of, uh, of therapist now those who do a level three course at a further education college a private training provider uh, a regulated qualification framework qualification then we will continue to be able to support them um, and I think it's important that we do have this entry level at level three, although I am advising members who are at level three now if they wanting to work immediately to upskill to the level four. Um, but it's uh, as you I'll, I'll let you explain the way you did Matt, in our earlier conversation about, you know, where do you see the importance of these level three therapists who've done a bona fide training course? Um, where do you see their value in employment or employability? I think, I mean, I've always really championed the level threes. And by that, I mean people who are not involved with injury. I mean, it's so tricky in the level threes. You're told you're allowed to work with, what's the expression they use? Um, I can't remember what it's now. It's not injury. It's like, well, basically... Pathological just... tissue. Yeah, if there's any sign of injury or any kind of sign of inflammation, they're not. Or basically all you're allowed to do is kind of calm someone down um, uh, by giving them a slower massage and then you can speed someone's up by giving them kind of as if you're doing a pre-event massage or something. And that's basically it. You know, you're not allowed to get involved if there's any sign of injury. And, and part of the course is that, knowing when you've got to go, no, I need to refer you out. Um, so, but for me, when I was kind of working level five in the clinic, I'd often turn around and look at kind of other people in the clinic. We were kind of a team of about 10 who were level threes and just think, wow, there's, a, there's such beauty in what you do because the people we had working with us didn't want to get involved with the injury. They would refer out and they were pretty much experts in referring out if necessary, but they would devote their time to getting people in and then either calming them down, if that's what they needed, or maybe pre-event or something kind of working them up and, and that was and they were experts in that especially when it came down to calming someone down and and they could play around with all the different modalities they could play around with different lighting and music and all this context which is so important and if anything evidence is showing even more now how important the context is to get the desired results on the nervous system etc etc and i think they're a really important part of healthcare for two reasons because sometimes the person needs calming down and, and massage has been shown, not for everyone, but for a lot of people to affect the nervous system in this way, and it's an excellent way as part of multidisciplinary care, just to get that sensitivity down, which is, can be a really important part of recovery if it's linked with other stuff, which other professionals should be doing, which is the whole idea of multidisciplinary care. But also one of the things I'm hoping this podcast has shown, as we've talked to surgeons and GPs and specialists, the massage therapist, is a hugely important potential for discovering things that can be undiagnosed for five, 10 years, because a massage therapist is gonna have that alliance. If you're asking the right questions, okay, it might not be the first session, but once you've laid your hands on that person, you've got that therapeutic alliance, which we are experts at, especially at level three, which is why I worry about people going straight to four or five. That time you're spending with hands-on in the year, which normally I recommend at a level three, if you're new to the game, is all about developing therapeutic alliance, answering that question, seeing people who come in with all sorts of problems in the world, knowing how to deal with it when people cry, and also, most importantly, knowing when to refer on, getting that confidence to ask about not just pelvic pain, but pain when going to the toilet, pain during sex, um, erectile problems with the guys, all these things which we have heard time and time again, especially saying you need to ask these questions and then refer them on because you could change that person's life. So I really champion level threes, and I think it's a hugely important part of healthcare as long as they're evidence-informed. That's where the word comes in. And I'm hoping, I think what we want, the work we do is, yes, we're saying if you want to work with injury, then you need to go to level four. It's, it's very simple. But don't be afraid if you just want to be a little, even just is the wrong word. If you want to be level three, 
and, and form that important part of healthcare, then that's great. I'm almost jealous because it means you your job is to make people feel great, to relax them down, and also watch out for red flags, which could literally change that person's life if you spot them, whereas a lot of other professionals are missing. So I think it's a massive thing, level three. I think we should pay homage to people who want to stay at that level. Um, and, and if anything, there's no reason why they should get paid less because some of the skills they're using to extract information and spot stuff is hugely important in that person's welfare. I think it's important, it. to, it's important to say, Matt, that if we look at the level three historically, pre-2009, then all level threes did cover remedial aspects of training. So somebody might be referred to, and I get people ringing me up and saying, I'm just a level three. And as you inferred there, it's, you're not just a level three. You, you found your comfort in working at that level three. So we differentiate on our membership categories between old historic qualifications pre-2009 and then when it changed again in, in 2014. But, you know, the, the angst I have with myself is that, you know, I, I, We'll call this our industry, if you like, because we're, we're, we're kind of respected as being one of the professional associations now. We're not the new kids on the block. We're changing the way that, that people are being represented. But I think, you know, somebody in the industry needs to support these people who, who are sometimes missold a qualification. Mm -hmm. You know, they might go back to the training provider and say, look, I can't join X, Y or Z association. I can't get insurance. You know, this award that you've you've given me or i've paid for is not fit for purpose now where do those people go and i think we have a duty to maintain our independence at the sta to be able to give ethical and honest guidance to these people and if necessary we might have to advise them to to upskill to level four um but it's you know who else we're going to represent them and it's you know we're not for profit so we're not commercially driven course providers are sometimes more commercially driven than than they they're worried about standards so that that's a fine balance i have to sort of strike and that's why i'm thinking of, of, of the changes on the website that i can have a, a special section for people who've got level three and where i can explain the historical changes the the, the changes in scope of practice but i had i had a conversation with with somebody a, a couple of months ago and and they'd done one of these online courses you know you see for 29 pounds you know and, and it was a, a sports massage diploma and it was just an information repository and you just filled in a quiz at, you know at the end of every session um, and they said that they'd had an incident where they uh, hadn't fully understood contraindications and somebody had come in with calf pain there was a lot of redness in the calf and they thought well I can just massage this away and that you know unfortunately the client ended up in A&E because they'd mobilized the thrombosis um, and you know it's very serious for them and and it had put them off the industry and they were ringing up for advice about how could they be how could they get upskilled? How could they increase their knowledge? And I, and I had to say, well, it's about doing a course. You know, would you go and see somebody for a massage who'd done an online training course? And they, they answered no. I said, well, why do you expect them to come and see you? So sometimes my job is to is to signpost, much like this this web chat does, to signpost the appropriate people. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's. For me, the training on a level three has always been getting getting your hands on different people, embracing variety, is realizing everyone's different, and that's what it should be. You know, even if you're doing, even if you introduce the kind of like a postural analysis, okay, um, again, you're not leading this towards any kind of remedial work, but maybe it's just doing a little analysis on that person to have it in your notes. As soon as you start having three or four or five different bodies in front of you, you, you naturally, unless the, unless the teacher's a bit of a guru and telling you, see, they're all the same, can you feel it, can you feel it? You'll start realizing that everyone's different shapes and sizes. And that's such a valuable lesson to learn at a level three. And then of course, you, the idea of case histories for me is again, seeing different people coming in, maybe seeing some common themes of, I don't know, lack of sleep or nutrition, stress, that sort of thing, because we know that can be linked with pain. So all of these ideas of, we're just going to teach you how to do the different five different types of massage and you get a certificate that's that's missed what is great about massage and what can be done because it should really all be about subjective and um, a little bit of objective as well to look out obviously important stuff red flags it's not just learning difference between 
you know different types of, of massage stroke that's that's an important part of it but yeah is level three if anything should be one of the longest courses with the most amount of case histories because you are learning variety and variability of different types of people different personalities and learning to deal with people with the general public you know it's hugely important so yeah sometimes it's difficult for an educator and hypothesizing now that xyz training company in york for example wants to run a a level three course they want to in, include some business training they want to include some marketing they want to include some some pain science uh, they want to include all of the um you know the hands-on passive modalities and and they're sort of saying well i need 12 days to deliver this successfully it's very difficult for them to compete even at the same price point as somebody who's doing this in two days so you know it's i think as a consumer we have to be more diligent we have to do our research we have to speak to people in the industry and, and if anybody's listening is is contemplating doing a course by all means get in touch with anybody at the sta um post on our pages on social media if you need a response but you know ring up all the training providers you know get to understand the differences speak to the actual tutors find out what you're going to come away with and, and make sure that it's going to meet your needs because you know I, it saddens me that i have a, a regular conversation with people saying unfortunately we can't represent you it doesn't meet our minimum standard you know i can give you guidance where to go but you know in, in all honesty they've been missold a, a, an award I think key word there is guidance. That's what we've been trying to do from the beginning, isn't it, with the STA? It's giving, you know, ethical, honest advice, which isn't kind of, you know, biased towards certain providers or not selling courses or anything. And it's, and it's really needed in our industry because again, a lot of people who get into level threes, let's say, it's because they want to help people. There's massive altruism there. They're, they're not doing it to make loads of money. They're thinking, I really want to help people. I did a little bit with my grand. She really benefited from it. She can move her arm again. I want to do this profession. I want to help people. So. That sort of personality, I think, can be predisposed to, to thinking, well, if I do this course, I can really help people. Now, I wonder whether the drive for these courses is not so much I'm going to make more money out of it. I think it's because I really want to help people. So it does make it double sad, you know, when people spend their money because I think it's really going to help their clients and then ultimately they learn the hard way that it's, that it's not. So, And I think there's, a, there's another point that goes on from that is that when when you have got your level three i i like you advocate you know spending some time working with different body types different people people from different sports for example and understand how touching people nicely has a different effect on different people but all too often they'll they will come out and of the training center and they say here's your certificate you know well done you've passed would you be interested in our cpd course next month and sometimes we have to you know restrict ourselves from from going down that route and stacking skills and just hone the touch and every one of our guests or most of our guests have said this year that our members have the luxury of spending up to an hour with people where sometimes health professional they might get 15 minutes or 20 minutes that extra 40 minutes 45 minutes that we can spend with them that's doing what you inferred that it's building that therapeutic alliance it's building that trust and that relationship so that you know if you do identify that actually i'm not the right person for you because something's happened you know some of the subjective information you've given you know has taken it a little bit outside of my remit but what i am going to do i'm going to signpost you to an appropriate podcast a web chat or a, 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 another professional so i think it's important that that we understand our remit and we understand when we have to signpost on definitely without doubt and that should be that should be one of the kind of really heavily weighed on a level three is is learning how to communicate and we've had guests you know we've done whole months focusing on communication um and and behavior change because that's so much such an important part of it there's no reason why you can't be a level three therapist who doesn't work with injury but still become an expert in communication and empathy and asking the right type of questions and listening reflective thinking all of these things because that more often than not, it's not what you feel that's going to tell you that the person needs specific help. It's going to be what you hear whilst they're lying down and you're giving the massage, massage and they start opening up saying, well, I'll tell you what is strange. I mean, I've always wondered because, I don't know, my, my 
both my parents have hip replacements and that's really what I'm worried about. I haven't said it till now. And then suddenly you're thinking, wow, you didn't put that in your in the notes, but now you're opening up and telling me about that. So now I'm thinking this hip pain you've got might be a congenital thing, it might be hereditary. And now that links with something else that I noted down. And I think you should go and see your GP just to check that it's, you know, whatever you suspect it could be. So yeah, I'm 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 big on level threes. As long as they're educated properly, I think they're really important foundation you've raised a really important point there matt is you know sometimes when when we do a subjective consultation you you know we get to hear the answers that they perceive we want to hear and and i I always said to to our members it's something that i used to do i used to have a little box on my form for on, on the front page of the form if you like for supplementary information and if somebody then disclosed to me that both their parents had had hip replacements in their 50s I would go back to the consultation sheet. I say, excuse me, I'm just going to add this because I think that could be really important. I'll add that piece of information. I'll get them to initial and date it next to that piece of information. And I suppose that covers you, yourself really. If, if in a court of law later on, you know, they're saying, well, you mistreated me. Or I say, well, actually, at the time, you know, my clinical reasoning was based on the information you gave me on the you know, 19th of December 2023. You gave me some supplementary information, which meant that I then decided that I would signpost or refer you to somebody else or send you back to your GP for a second opinion. And I think that way it covers us and it makes them realise then that the importance of giving all of the information. Very true. Yeah, yeah, the business side of it, you need to look after yourself as well. Alex has raised an interesting question, <clears throat> the internal question, the holy grail question here. Um, I'll just bring it up on the screen. So Alex Moore says, excuse me, <clears throat> how can we protect people who want to sign up for a level three course from choosing one of these courses which won't be suitable? Often they only come to us when they realise the course wasn't suitable. Yeah, it's tricky, isn't it? It really is hard. Um, well, I think, we, we, you know, I said this when we reflected on the Therapy Expo, Sometimes we have to learn the hard way. Sometimes we have to learn the hard way repeatedly. And I think sometimes these negative learning experiences will set the tone for any future decisions that we make. And I know it doesn't help with marketing a good course, but, you know, if it was me, I would say, if you want to come and train with me, you know, I will offer you a premium learning experience. You know, it will be gold standard. This is what I expect from you. This is what you expect from me. Um, if you want to go and do a a two day course, for example, with with X Y Z training provider, see if they will give you the same promises. See if they will support you after you've you know got your award and 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 you've closed the door. Because sometimes the training provider and with the greatest respect to them that's their job they're educators so i say let the educators educate and let the professional association support you and your therapy journey but it's really about extolling the things that you do well rather than highlighting the things that other people do less well because i think that's a, a less professional approach yeah definitely um and when people have i mean i've i've members of different forums and Facebook groups. And it's so sad when we see somebody did have a bad experience and now they've just given up. They're like, oh, it's all a waste of time. And they're all just conning you. And I've gone back to plumbing or something. And it's like, oh, it's such a shame because the fact you wanted to do this, yeah, you've had a bad experience. So I think it's important that we do. Hopefully we, that's what we do do. We do support people who have made the mistake. And, and the most important thing is make them realise that what they learned on that two grand course hasn't been a waste of time at all. Just because the narrative is slightly different, you've still done your um, contact with people, you've still got your clinical hours in there, you've still learned this, you've still looked at the contraindications. All we need to do is tweak a little bit the narrative and the mechanisms of action and that, and it's still there, don't worry. So I don't think any of the courses is a total waste of time. It's just finding these people and hopefully just you know signposting when they need to change a little bit. It's, it's anything in business, Matt. You know, if you differentiate yourself by by offering a cheaper price point, the expectation of the user is then proven to be lower. If you want to set yourself apart from mid-table mediocrity, then you've got to charge a higher price point. And, and, and in some ways, and I've been in business, you know, on and off for all of my, you know, since the early 90s, and I've always gone on a higher price point 
because then it motivates me to provide that extra level of service. Whereas if you go in at a lower price point, oh, I can get away with this, I can get away with that. I strive for 100% in every test that I do. If I aim for 70%, I miss my target. If I aim for 100%, I miss my target by roughly the same percentage, but I'll still achieve more. So if you are marketing, of course, market it above the price point of everybody else. Set yourself aside as a premium provider. You know, go on social media, you know, talk about it all of the time. Talk about the things you do well and leave the less well done things from other training providers behind. Excellent. Right. Well, look, we're halfway through the show already. So I think what we're going to do for the rest, I mean, a lot of the episodes which I highlight now will draw on what we've talked about and hopefully show what we try and do through the podcast and 47 or so episodes this year. Um, again, apologies if you have been a guest and I haven't or don't spend much time on you or maybe I don't even mention it, but we've only got half an hour, so it's been tricky, but I do value you all. I wanted to start t- talking about you know, one of the things of education through the podcast is having um, important guests in, guests who are fantastic educators and often from other parts of care, because that's how we do form part of, we're not allied health professionals, but we can still form part of this multidisciplinary approach. And a lot of them want quality soft tissue therapists to work with them. And a lot of them do in their clinics have quality soft tissue therapists. So we did um, at the beginning of the year and um, especially the first few months do focus on different parts of the body we did it that way and then got specialists in for example and i'm going to bring these up on the screen for those of you who are watching on youtube i mean this was a particularly good episode which highlights how with a little better quality information we can really change lives now there's plenty of examples with this but this episode on hip dysplasia those of you listening to the podcast you can't see but what i'm talking about here is episode 132, which is part one of our focus on the hip. And it was with Holly Sopper-Doyle. Um, it was around January the 17th, I think it was recorded. Um, and Holly Sopper-Doyle is the hip dysplasia physio. Find online, find the website, hipdysplasiaphysio.com. Um, and it talks about hip dysplasia, which is something which if you are level three, then you probably haven't heard of. If you're level four, you probably haven't heard of. If you're level five, you haven't probably heard of. If you're, as Holly was explaining, if you're a physio, if you're a degree, if you're doing a master's, you might have been lucky to have one slide on it. And that was really warming. It's a common theme in the guests we've had in that a lot of the misinformation, a lot of the stuff which is glossed over is happening, not just to us, the physios who often we look up to and think, wow, they know everything. We're never going to be a physio. They don't get it either. Okay, there's common things. Hip dysplasia is a really good example of it. But it particularly affects us because just for those of you who aren't aware of what it is, then, then we're talking about a condition where traditionally we thought it was the shape of the acetabulum, so the hip socket and where the femoral head uh, fits into was too shallow to support the femoral head. And then often it leads to lateral tears and, and things like this. But Holly was pointing out that it's not just so two-dimensional. It can be um, not just the shape of the acetabulum, but it can also be the shape of the femoral head. And then you've got posterior, anterior, and global versions of it. So it's really a 3D thing. But the really interesting thing was, was this topic of masquerading again. And we do, as soft tissue therapists, including level threes, get a lot of people in who are suffering from hip pain. Oh, I can't lie on my left very well. Um, and we do read, we do the uh, assessments and we may decide, oh, yeah, you just got a little bit. You just need a bit of a massage there. Or maybe it's the hip flexor is really tight. We've done a Thomas test and we've decided the hip flexor is very tight. This episode with Holly was was really significant because I think a lot of soft tissue therapists do get obsessed with stretching because basically that's all you're taught um, with your special tests involved in different ways of of increasing joint range. This was a good example where in hip dysplasia, the hip flexors Holly was describing, and you have to go to the episode to, to hear it, you know, better than I'm going to explain it, but the hip flexor is basically staying tight, it's staying guarded because it's holding that um, femoral head in the acetabulum to to, to guard it, to stop it from causing um, lagal tears and and, um, damaging the cartilage underneath. So if you are a therapist who um, feels, oh yeah, you notice this person's got really tight hip and you start doing your stretches and things and massaging the hell out of it and even trying to do one of the old traditional hip flexor release uh, whatever it's called that kind of thing pressing down into it or the person's in significant pain then you're going to be making this even worse not only are you not helping this person discover they've got something which typically goes undiagnosed for five years 
but also you are making the situation worse and they're going to be in even more pain um, and issues. I mean, it's a good example, like Holly stressed. I'm spending a bit of time on this because this kind of topic raises its head again and again because of the misinformation, because of the masquerading for other kind of hip problems, anterior groin pain, typically hip dysplasia, um, which affect women more than men, goes misdiagnosed for an average of five years. And also, they uh, typically people will see three and a half clinicians, I know that sounds a bit weird, but on average, three and a half clinicians before it gets properly diagnosed. So connected with what we're talking about, if you can be that level three therapist who asks the questions when someone comes in um, complaining about their hip, have you got any birth history? And that was a big one that Holly suggested. Have you got any birth history where you kind of managed differently when you were born? Um, or have any of your family had any problems with hips like we mentioned before? Um, have you, are you particularly mobile? Have you got a party trick? Are you the person who puts their leg behind their neck um, at a party and everyone claps and you thought it was actually you know, a celebration? Well, really, we know, thanks to specialists, that this is a sign of maybe um, something like Ehlers-Danlos syndrome or something. And then, yes, we're level three, but if we ask the questions and they tick the boxes, then we can say, you know what? I really want you to go and get checked out because you're female, you're late teenager, 20 year old, I'm gonna go to your GP. I know, and just say that you've seen that somebody who's suggested you get checked out hips lazier. And you could be the person that stops that person from, from wasting five, 10 years and ending up in severe pain and having to have serious operations, which Holly had to have, unfortunately, and her sister because it went undiagnosed. Um, so that, that was a great example of something we try and do on the podcast. It's showing how, yes, you might be a level three therapist, you might be level four, um, and you might be a level five that's thinking, oh, no, I'm not a physio. But we can do so much to that person who comes into us because they're in pain if we're evidence-informed. feels like I've just talked for an hour. Gary, please jump in. No, you're doing well, Matt. Carry on. No, that was it. I mean, that was, and, and that's a nice episode which, which sums that up with Holly. Um, and I definitely get you, you know, it's worth checking that out. The other thing which is so nice about the guests we have is they, they're, they're sitting around a table with us. It's like the SDA Theatre at Therapy Expo. They really manage, all of them, I don't know how I pick them, but they all manage to feel like, and I get this as feedback, that we're just chatting around the table. It's not there, some guru at the top, you know, talking down to us whatsoever. Um, it's really easy to learn, listen, and and put stuff which I guess is saying to practice. So Holly Sopper Doyle, that was episode 132. Um, and it wasn't just then. If, if you're into hips, if this has excited you, then we did go on. And we had some amazing other therapists. And Dr. Sarah Rollins definitely needs a mention as well. Um, Dr. Sarah Rollins spent 11 years training and serving as an army GP. That's the level of guests we had. You guys really are spoiled. I say jokingly, but actually telling the truth. Um, she left the army, took up a post in the Ministry of Defence as a civil servant GP. And then 2012 moved into Aldershot for regional rehabilitation unit, and she's continued working um, with the Ministry of Defence since then. And and so privileged to have someone of Dr. Sarah Rowland's um, education and experience talking about buttock pain. And again, a large chunk of this episode is about how we might be taught on a course to get obsessed with soft tissue release for the piriformis. Oh, I know what this is. It's not your glutes at all. It's the piriformis. We did this and you, know, and you get obsessed with that and you can miss serious other um, conditions because you're a little bit obsessed with what you got taught. Um, and Sarah does an amazing job as well uh, about talking us through the anatomy, which is a topic that's come up again and again, how the 2D anatomy we often learn needs building on, needs to be turned into 3D and function. So um, that's a great episode as well, um, 133. And then Sarah was back again in 134 with, with her co-worker, Ema Acton, uh, to talk about a really interesting case history, which is worth checking out as well. Um, and I think, yeah, I need you to start talking now, Gary, because my voice is going. But I hope they're just good examples. Yeah, I think one of the things you mentioned there, Matt, was about the Therapy Expo um, STA Update Theatre. And we've got the data now for all of the guests who who attended. And I say all of the guests, they were the ones who sat down and were scanned in. We haven't got the data on the hundreds and hundreds of people who were standing on the periphery of the theatre listening in. But what 
what I've noticed over the past eight or nine years we've been going to Therapy Expo in in Birmingham is that our audience has changed somewhat. Um, about 60% of the people who attended were allied health professionals. Now, that's a measure of the success of the information that we're giving out and the quality of, of speakers that we're having. And it's fair to say that the STA you know, start, it was embryonic 10 years ago. And the the whole idea was about not feeling not not leaving people feeling feeling isolated, but along with that was about changing the way that people therapists the wider therapist population are represented, and it's it's humbling to see the amount of change that's come about because of things like our podcast. You know, other uh, associations are now introducing online learning platforms and and you know learning mornings evenings etc um you know people are you know copying or mimicking our competitions our giveaways so you know we are as vernon said there you know the whole team is doing a really good job at upping the game you know the bar has definitely been raised with professional membership representation and, and i speak to people you know, on a weekly basis, who, who, who come to join the STA on the strength of listening or watching these live webinars or listening to the to the podcast later in the week. So, you know, long may it continue. We've got we've got good plans for next year already. Um, we've got to have a follow up on the qualifications one. Still compiling information on that. We've got uh, one of our STA members wants to come on and talk about the success. He's had, he, he worked with the IOC and the Team GB, and he's now setting up um, some facilities, some training for neurodiverse children. Um, so he wants to come on and talk about that. So, you know, we're not just talking about soft tissue. We're not just talking about sports therapy. We're talking about things that can make us better and you know whether we go into level three level four level five the only thing that really changes in my opinion is the depth of knowledge and understanding and if we can give these snippets of information to our members and the wider sort of therapy population so that we can they can be signposted to the right person then i think we're doing our job really well definitely it's become difficult us talking about this with silly hats on. I'm conscious of you saying <laughs> such amazing things. Unfortunately, people in the podcast can't see us because the quality coming out of your mouth is not linked to what you look like at the moment. We've got a little snow coming down from this kind of tinsel around the screen. But anyway, now hopefully on the podcast, it's all making sense. Um, another topic which is is very topical, that's terribly put. But yeah, um, women's health. Um, we've had a, a massive year of hopefully helping um therapists understand of all levels how important it is to to differentiate in some cases when um, women do come into your clinic um whether it's their recreational athletes or elite athletes or anything um, and we've had quite an episodes quite a few episodes highlighting that so i just want to single out a few examples of that for people um one person i definitely uh, should bring up mainly because she caused the biggest bottlenecks i've ever seen at therapy expo was michelle lyons um, who was hugely received, absolutely amazing. Uh, for those of you aren't aware of Michelle Lyons, she's women's health physio and creator of CelebrateMooliebrity.com. Um, and like I say, deserves a special shout out. An incredible educator. She's been on the show two, two or three times now. Um, it's so worth checking out, really. If, if you only walk away from this podcast and decide to check one podcast, then please listen to anything by Michelle Lyons. Because half the people you see, or probably more statistically, I think, are going to be female clients and and michelle has got some amazing stats for you um from research quality studies some of the things she says for example i'm talking about uh, episode 141 which is part of our uh focus on lower back pain so we started a new month with a focus on lower back pain and michelle was talking about things like highlighting the implications of the fact that in research, only about 6% of sports science research is done on females. So, so much information they've had has been, you know, um, on male bodies and the way guys work. And obviously we know that the anatomy is different, that chemistry is different, and the life is different. There's so many different factors. For example, Michelle was pointing out that studies show 95% of women with back pain have got pelvic floor muscle dysfunction. 
we kind of think, oh, it's something which some women might suffer from, but 95% of lower back pain. Um, and she drew attention to a lot of the misinformation that sadly is out there, but we can just tweak a little bit. Pilates, for example, is really, I remember her in that episode saying that during the Pilates era of tightening your core, which sadly some people are still doing, not every, not all Pilates teachers have been in a circle where they have managed to move forwards and we've had guests on the podcast trying to do that, Raphael Bender, for example. Um, but yeah, during the tightening your core kind of, five or six or maybe in a decade there was a higher incidence of bladder leakage in pilates teachers you know it kind of went not talked about but this whole idea of tightening and, and michelle went on to talk about how a lot of the time we need to actually relax um, these muscles rather than trying to do exercise to tighten them um, a hugely hugely important uh, episode which really will spark because of the way michelle talked will spark your interest in your appreciation of how when a female client walks in that door you need to change the chip a little bit the same way that i could say angela jackson does with with younger athletes or, or children your chip needs to change because you're now going to work with the person in front of you which in this case maybe a younger adult or a child who is going to have totally different considerations than than adults children aren't just small adults totally different um so yeah that's a shout out for angela jackson there as well and also in that hip i just want to also say thanks to um, other people we had on the show, Dr. Dora Papadopoulou was, was a fantastic episode, um, a consultant and surgeon, and she talked all about the conservative treatments that surgeons should be trying to exhaust before they go in um, and start cutting and shortening tendons and things like this. Really great insight into surgery um, to do with the groin and and the fact that not all surgeons just want to get in there and chop things up you know she's a fine example of somebody who's really trying to help um, avoid surgery at all costs so that was a really good episode and then we had a man himself Benoit Matthew as well which was a great hands-on treatment of sports related groin issues and SDA 50. Um, I missed Benoit at Therapy Expo this year but um, yeah I, I believe he was packed out as always so that's a fantastic episode and um, if you're into the hip as well um, episode 150. Um, over to you, Gary. What are you thinking? Um, interesting segue there, talking about women's health. One of the things we're working on at the moment is uh, the WIST podcast, um, trying to develop that next year. Um, historically, uh, Fiona Higgs, Dr. Fiona Higgs, has been leading that. Um, she's quite busy with work at the moment, so capacity is a little bit lower. So I'm cordially inviting any STA female member who wants to be a member of a panel and what we're going to do we're going to um, host them via zoom we're going to have panel talks they will be recorded and go onto the sta members website but just to talk about all things women's health you know whether it's vulnerability whether it's uh, period health whether it's, whether it's the menopause journey um whatever you want to talk about you know it's a, you, you know you're in charge so I'll be sending out something in the newsletter. I've got a couple of people already involved and interested. And I know that Sonia spoke at the um, Therapy Expo about wanting to get involved. I'm sure Anna Maria wants to get involved. Uh, we've got Bethan, who was on a couple of weeks ago, and Georgina, who developed all of our resources for us. So some interesting things coming on. 50% of our members are female. We need to do more for them. I'm accountable for that. I'm not the appropriate person to lead that. Um, and that's why I'm empowering some of our female members to do that on our behalf most definitely and also that reminds me as well i mean it takes a lot for people to come on the show before we started heading towards therapy expo inviting guests in on the first tuesday of the month we would have um uh, an ask us anything episode um where we invited sta members and regional reps to come up and just answer questions and well, first of all i want to say thank you to kind of the seven or eight or nine people who did actually you know decide to come in and join us. So thank you to Danielle Peters, who came in a couple of times for us. Nikki Mansfield, who I think is in the house tonight. Um, it's great to have you up there and sharing experience. Scott Loins, obviously, who a lot of you know from Therapy Expo. Uh, Benjamin Mace Crosley, Ryan Smith, Simon Webster, Cassie Waldy, Tim Grigg, Mark Povey. All these people came up and shared their experience. And for me, I really like to get these working and happening once a month because 
the feedback we get from other therapists when they hear fellow therapists talking about their experiences and giving their advice when it comes to clinic management, leasing, um, credit card payments, it's, it's great feedback. People love it and they want more. But it's ironic because people want it, but not many people have got that confidence to come up and jump onto the show. Hopefully, if you listen to a few of these podcasts, you realise that we're not a, a one of this, not a very polished kind of, what's the word, I don't know, kind of, we're very relaxed here, it's very chilled out. And as long as you've got a good microphone and uh, internet connection, well, not even a good, as long as you've got a microphone and, and a webcam, um, we do a little audio and visual check beforehand um, to check that it's all working anyway, but we really do encourage STA members. It will be great for you as well in terms of um, maybe just a bucket list, having the confidence to come on and just talk. All you're going to be doing is talking about your experience in your clinic and people really want to hear it. So For, for, yeah. for SDA members, Matt, um, you know, we have this every week. On a Monday, one week, we have with Scott and Alex, who's in the in the audience this evening, we have an accountability session. So if you if you need direction, um, then that's the one to join. Monday's 12 to 12.45. Um, and then we have the general coffee evening chat every other Wednesday. Um, so Monday one week, Wednesday the following week. Um, we will talk about absolutely anything, whether it's choosing CPD, whether it's vulnerability issues, whether you're a new member, you can just pop in and they run for 90 minutes. Um, so they're happening every week for STA members. So come along to some of those, build up your confidence of being online and then transition to... To this, I mean, just look at the guests we've had before, Matt, you know, Liz Bailey, we had to, you know, persuade and cajole, cajole her to come on to the podcast. And, and she's world famous now, isn't she? She's, she's everywhere. There you go, travelling everywhere. And it's true. It really does help with confidence. And everybody who's come on the first time, once the camera stops, it's like, oh, that was actually quite fun. You know, and you might, you know, it's a real good confidence booster. And, and, and it really helps other guests and inspires other guests to do it as well. So. So have a little think. Maybe that could be your New Year's resolution as an STM member. I'm going to go and just talk about what I do in clinic because people do want to hear it. If you're thinking no one wants to hear from me, people really, I guarantee it, members email us. They really want to hear from you. They want to hear from the horse's mouth. Um, so, yeah, think about it anyway. Right, we're getting close to time. Um, I just want a few more shouts out and a few little signposts towards episodes here. We haven't had time, like I said, to go through them all. But um, we also had episodes on mental health this year. We've talked about that a lot. Thanks to guests, for example, such as James Chapman. A shout out to James Chapman of All About the Mind, who's an instructor for um, MHFA, which is Mental Health First Aid. That was episode 136. Alistair Beverly was a fantastic individual um, talking about healthcare for learning disabilities. Um, he is the LDphysio.com. It's an amazing episode, 137 with him, which I encourage you to have a little listen to. Um, in that we were talking or he was talking about diagnostic overshadowing um, which is which has implications as he talked about at therapy expo not just for person with learning disabilities the backstory to this was tragically um uh alistair's own brother john died from a hernia which sounds ridiculous but john um was born with down syndrome and um, he had symptoms. He went uh, into hospital, uh, I can't remember how many times now, but probably three, four times, um, and was sent home each time because they thought it was just something to do with having Down's syndrome. Um, and they sent him home. It turned out to be a hernia and he died from it uh, because of this thing called over diagnostic overshadowing. But Alistair was interesting and he's really doing a lot now with courses which are coming out next year to show how much we can learn from the work he's done of working with people with learning disabilities in terms of communication, in terms of making sure that we don't suffer or we don't promote diagnostic overshadowing with elderly patients where we think, oh, they're just complaining about it because they're old or younger patients. You know, they're just wriggling around and not sitting comfortably because they're just young and full of energy. So it's a really interesting topic which can improve um, your ability to diversify and, and, and consider the patient in front of you. And Alistair Bevy again is such a such a great inspiration. So that's definitely worth listening to. 137 that was. Um, we did a focus months on CPD. Again, we don't sell courses ourselves for the STA. That would kind of encroach into what we think is unethical. We don't want to make money out of courses, but we will advise if we get good feedback from members, if we um, accredit ourselves because we can see that it's an evidence-informed, good quality course. So there are episodes where we have talked about um, things like Dr. Gary Mendoza, who's actually retiring, happy retirement, by the way, Dr. Gary Mendoza. 
But uh, that was an amazing course to do with uh, behavioral change and motivational interviewing. Ben Cormack we've had on the show and talked about CPD. We had a fantastic episode, 165, with Dr. Claire Minchell and Claire Robertson. Uh, Claire Minchell's been on the show quite a few times. Uh, very popular at the expo. Crowds turned away from the theatre, very disappointed they were. But we've got at least four hours with Claire here on the uh, um, STA podcast as well. Um, Angie Jackson, again, a fantastic uh, educator, particularly working with the younger athletes. She's here on SDA 169. Um, and uh, the Nutrition Month I haven't even touched on, but I just want to, again, say thank you before the year closes to people like Lucy Gilbanks, who talked about relative energy deficiency in sport in 153. Lucy Williamson, Dr. Lucy Williamson, which is all about the gut microbiome. Um, which is a fascinating insight into nutrition, which is something we should all be aware of again, to red flag things when people come in and to guide people to, 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 to seek the right guidance um, with somebody out of our scope. Um, we had uh, Faye Townsend talking about sport nutrition myths. Um, it was a hugely good month. I would recommend definitely listening to 153 to 157, and just getting a great insight into nutrition. Uh, really important. Um, and of course, we put these all together and, and had Therapy Expo. So all the lead up to Therapy Expo, if you enjoyed seeing people at Therapy Expo, then check out 10 or so episodes beforehand. And you will hear um, further information from many of the guests who you saw in the STA Theatre. Um, and we've already continued exciting topics for the new year. Uh, last week's guest with John Scriven of Move Well, looking at physical literacy, which again, you'll probably hear the term here first of all, if you weren't Therapy Expo. Physical literacy is is something which is a really nice way encapsulating what we need to help our people in pain, help people move better. Um, it's almost like a, a slightly more applicable look than the, the, uh, the biopsychosocial model. It's kind of more of a tangible, put it into action way of, we know all of this, we know the psychosocial is so important, but how does that affect the way we look after our clients? So I would very much, in, you know, get you to check out STA 177, episode 177 with John Scriven last week. And that takes us to 8.59. Um, so just before I hand back over to Gary, if you listen to the podcast, maybe it's the first time, follow us. Okay, we're UK underscore STA everywhere on social media, Twitter, Instagram. You can find us on Facebook. We've got a members only group, obviously, encourage members to join that. And then we've got the open group as well in the Facebook page. And then the website, the sta.co.uk. It's not all just about the podcast. We've got plenty of stuff on social media as well. Over to you, Gary Benson. Thanks, Matt. Just to follow on from that, if you are listening to the podcast and we are live on Facebook, so why not share the fact that we are live and try and get us out to your networks as well as our existing network? Um, I'd like to take this opportunity to wish everybody a Merry Christmas and, and, and a Happy New Year and enjoy the festivities safely. Um, enjoy some time off if you can. Um, keep warm if you're pitch side if you can't get the time off. But finally, to say thank you to the STA team, because without the whole team behind me, we wouldn't be where we are today. So Jake, who does the business development and the, all of the administrative processes, behind um, all of the competitions uh, down to him all of the relationships with the with the providers are down to jake um to scott who hosts the coffee evening chats uh, and to alex who hosts the coffee daytime chats uh, to fiona for her work on the wist podcast uh, for georgina for um, all of the resource development and to uh, to abby uh, for all of her graphic design and finally, to you, Matt, for another excellent year of really interesting and informative guests. And, you know, without this podcast, we wouldn't be where we are today. And, and it's, it's good to see that we've, we, a couple of times we've made the top 25 sports podcasts for various platforms. So that's really good. And I look forward to a, a, another year next year, Matt. Thank you very much, definitely. And with that in mind, you know, I choose the guests. I try and give you, you know, what I think would be useful, not for everybody. It's, it's very specific and hopefully people can pick what helps. But if you've got any ideas um, that you think, uh, any guests you think you'd like to get us on, then then put the name our way. Just email matt at the sta.co.uk and we will contact this person and see if we can get them as a guest on the show. You know, we definitely want to make sure that we are giving you what you feel 
and you'd like to see what can help you as well so make sure you do contact us communicate with us next week there won't be a show it's the 26th of december we'll all be recovering obviously from christmas day still with bloated stomachs lying somewhere in a corner um covered in crackers um so it looks like really um we're going to be back next year which will be tuesday during the second um we're not quite sure what we're going to do yet, are we then, Gary? But we'll have something planned by then. We'll, we'll think of something in the meantime. We'll think of something. We'll have a little meeting. But again, just to, to reiterate, it'll be nice next year. One of my personal goals would be to get new people who haven't been on the show before just to come along and talk. One, because it'd be great for you. And two, it's because what our audience, we've got like two and a half, three thousand downloads. Um, that's what they ask for more than anything is can we hear more from actual therapists, real life scenarios, solutions which work in clinic. And that would be really nice as well to, to get that going. So it would be interesting, Matt, for the second <clears> of January, if anybody is available, STA members who wants who would like to come on and join us and tell us about their plans for twenty twenty four. New Year resolutions. That could be January the second episode. STA members come out going what their resolutions are in terms of business and clinic, and yeah, that'd be cool. Good idea, yeah. Gary. See, that's the way yeah, we, well, work I, we think. Yeah, I've already um, decided to stop procrastinating. Um, but I'm going to put that off until the end of January instead of starting. <laughs> See, you did there, very good. I'll take a screenshot of the Alex Moore said that they will come on the second. Have a rare night off. So that's Alex, definitely. Um, there yeah, you go. Good. Alex Moore will be here in person. That's very nice to know. Um, and also, let's put Alex's comment there before because that was nice and makes us all feel warm. Thanks for the great podcast, Matt. I learned more from these than a lot of courses I've done. That's very nice to hear. And, and we agree that you probably have. Um, um, because we know what sort of the courses are like out there, but that's really nice to hear. We do hope that we do complement courses and we provide some great CPD. And um, Glenn Murphy has said, quite right, Gary. What was Glenn? Keep up the good work, STA. Proud to be a member. Can't remember what Glenn was referring to there. Not quite sure. That was just the thanking the team and, and the success of the Oh, very nice. Thank you, Glenn. Thank you for your support. Thank you for people who joined us live as well. Um, we appreciate that there's so much other things you could be doing, but it's so nice we have a regular people who come and join us because it just keeps the content live and spontaneous. Nicky Mansfield as well, I mentioned earlier on, he's been on the show. He says, you have a wonderful team of lovely humans. It's a pleasure to deal with every one of them. There we go. Thank you, Nicky. Right, that's it. And Gary, thanks to you, of course. I'd be a fool not to say thank you to our founder, Gary Benson. Thanks for holding us all together. We are only as good as the inspiration we receive from top. And we are led by the person in front of us, who is Gary Benson. So thank you, Gary. For all You're your welcome, Matt. Thank you very much. No worries. All right, people, as always, take care of each other. Um, stay talking to us, Matt at the STA.co.uk, and uh, we hope you have a great Christmas. If those of you celebrate it, or winter break, those of you don't, and uh, a relaxing new year. I'll see you next year. You're listening to the Sports Therapy Association podcast, putting evidence back into soft tissue therapy.